Hello all and welcome to episode 270 of the Yellow Wall Pod. My name is Stefan Butzko to host this wonderful shit show that is upon us after Borussia Dortmund lost yet again in the Bundesliga for the second time against no one else than FC Augsburg and also crashed out of the Champions League with little glory losing 1-0 at home to Tottenham and we get to preview the... Uh, Game against Stuttgart and for all that greatness joins me Lars Polman. Hello Lars, good to have you back. Hello Stefan, Mr. Cheerful is back, yes. <laughs> yeah, I uh, needed someone here to to spark some optimism on this show, so um this why is Lars Lars is And you 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 didn't find anyone, so I'm here. Yeah. And um also here uh The one and only Konstantin Eckner is uh, back from his uh, world tour. Hello, Konstantin. How are you doing? Hi, Stefan. I'm doing quite well since I realized that I'm the youngest of the three of us. Well, congratulations, Konstantin. I don't know go, why, go, this, go. why this makes you cheerful that you are the most inexperienced on this podcast. Go, go ahead, you old fuck. <laughs> All right. So I guess we can dive right in after Konstantin... Uh, And his youthful meanness is uh, sparking out here. Lars, why did Dortmund lose against Augsburg? How did that happen? Well, because Dong G predictably scored two goals and Dortmund didn't do enough offensively to remedy their uh, defensive frailties that we've seen over the course of this dry spell crisis drought however you want to call these last eight i believe or nine games where they've only beaten leverkusen uh too many individual mistakes in defense too little uh, attacking output outside of mario götze Uh, yeah, it's just uh, a bit of a shit show at the moment, uh, at least in the Bundesliga. But as we've, we will talk about later on, I think there were some positive signs in the Champions League game that maybe uh, they, they might know how to get out of this yeah, yeah. dry spell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I don't, I, I don't want to say everything is now bad and everything is absolute horror and, you know, doomsday. Um, that's, that's just not how it is. I, I just think Dortmund are not doing too many things that much different than they were doing in the first half of the season. But, um, you know, a couple of details here and there, um, just have them lose games they, that they wouldn't, uh, lose beforehand. I guess the regression to the mean has something to do with it that, you know, someone like, someone like Alcázar is not scoring with any, every shot on goal anymore. And also just, you know, the luck is going against Dortmund. But, That's also just a little bit too easy sometimes to explain things. So this is why we brought back Konstantin, who can uh, now explain to me why um, it is maybe not just luck that Dortmund have, um, let's say, a crisis of results. Uh, yes and no. I, I guess uh, looking back at um, the Hinrunde, so, so success, successful Hinrunde, um, I mean, the, the shot... Shot selection was a plus uh, because Dortmund wasn't committed to have a higher shot output, um, which worked in their favor. But uh, when you when you slow down and you have these these results or these matches where you are behind uh, more often than not, then sometimes it doesn't help your your mindset basically to have a low shot uh, shot output. Um, It works a little bit against you sometimes. Uh, that's the first. And the second one, uh, second major point, especially in, in terms of the Augsburg matches, that um, it, it they, I don't think, I don't know what Favre tries to do right now in terms of build-up plays, in terms of attacking plays, uh, but there's not much of a plan to it, uh, what Dortmund is actually doing uh, when, when they're after ball. Um, so... Uh, that it, it looks a little here and there. It looks a little bit like earlier on the, uh, in the season, uh, where they, they really s slowly, and me metaphorically, uh, build up uh, from the back, but uh, didn't really get get much going and didn't pro progress as as quickly as they should to break down defenses like Augsburg's. Um, and and Augsburg did quite well, uh, having a high press. 
um, really pressuring the fullbacks, especially, you know, setting up some traps in the middle. Um, I mean, just look at the second goal. Uh, although it was a, it was a, of course an individual error, but but still um, they set up some of these traps and they really slowed down Dortmund uh, significantly. And um, then it, it all comes down to a few players, especially Mario Götze right now. I mean, so we will talk about the Tottenham match. It was also quite obvious that right now the only plan uh, they have in terms of build-up is like playing straight right into Mario Götze a lot of times. And when that is uh, your only plan, um, then you got issues, and then Dortmund got issues uh, right now. And, and I, I, I don't yeah. have the statistical data to back it up, but mm -hmm. I feel like um, Dortmund right now do not find the combination play that they often find when they create the most danger in a half spaces. Um, that they just cannot find the build-up route, be it through the fullback, like say Lukas Piszczek or so, where you just play the ball inside to the half space from the from the flanks, for example. Um, to, to get players into that area with space, you know, just in front of the box or somewhere that they can turn around and have a quick give and go, one, two pass or something. These combination plays that we saw a lot and Dortmund create a lot of chances this way out of their own possession and their own build up is something that I don't really see a lot. Uh, maybe that's just, uh, something that's, uh, you know, very subject to me, um, and, and not true at all, but that's just, uh, what, what I feel is, is a little bit lacking that there are a couple of, um, let's say schemes or moves or routines, um, of combination play, um, that you just cannot steer the ball in a certain area where you want to have it, uh, that might have to do with uh, how your own player is positioned, but obviously it could also just don't be done to the, the coaching design of, for example, Manuel Baum. <clears throat> what I found impressive is how he took Marco Reus out of the game with, uh, um, Bayer and, and Kedira especially, um, how, how one covered him in the cover shadow and the other one was always there to, you know, be very snuck to Marco Reus whenever there was, uh, you know, a pass to him. I, I thought that w worked really well, but I also thought that Jaden Sancho maybe was, um, too far out at times and maybe this is, uh, a criticism I have for the whole uh, synergy between Hakimi and Sancho. I just don't think they get along as as well as uh, Sancho and, and Pischek. Again, might be very subject, but uh, that's just uh, what I think and, and, and see and feel without uh, really, you know, looking the data up for that. So, um, you know, believe at your own peril. But um, last... How much of an impact do you think has the uh, absence of, of Lukas Piszczek on this team currently? Uh, it, it does have a big impact just because he offers the best uh, combination of attacking output and defensive stability. Uh, because I think we've seen that Hakimi, even in this uh, phase of his uh, season where he makes a lot of kind of inexcusable errors uh, on the mental side mostly in defense he's still pretty important going forward just because he adds so much dynamism to the attack uh, with Marius Wolf it's basically the opposite he's very diligent tracking back he's also very athletic uh, a bit more stout but you know he can't cross the ball for the life of his so <laughs> he's kind of useless uh, uh, in possession if you like especially with Dortmund Uh, at the moment, as you talked about earlier, uh, struggling for ideas a bit. And I think uh, Piszczek offers a little bit of both. And in that has been very good this season, starting somewhere in autumn, I believe. I, I think he, that he kind of flipped the switch. And especially towards the end of the Hinrunde was really, really good. But, you know, he's he's not there. And, and to me, it's, it's a bit of a problem for Dortmund in these weeks that... All the time they are clamoring for uh, the return of, of one guy to solve all the problems. Uh, I mean, I wrote about it uh, after the Hoffenheim game. Everybody said, or, or many people said, you know, this wouldn't have happened with Thomas Delaney uh, when they uh, let go of a three-goal lead against Hoffenheim. Then the next game was against Spurs, and they conceded three goals in the second half with Delaney on the pitch. Uh, then, then it was the return of Manuel Akanji who was going to stabilize the entire defense where they uh, have kept on shipping goals relatively easily even though he himself hasn't really made any mistakes but 
it's not like one guy returning turns everything around and then after Kanji, it was Royce. Obviously, he's the captain. He's the the talisman, if you like. He's been the best player in the Bundesliga this season. I think there's little doubt about that. But you know, he's an attacking player. Dortmund's problems in attack are existent, but they are more pertinent in defense, I would say. And now it's uh, uh, Lukas Piszczek. So I think people keep uh, grasping after straws when in reality there's just some structural problems and also you know just the absence of of luck that kind of defines why Dortmund don't find the same results they made in the, in the first half of the season, even though I would agree with you, Stefan, that in terms of performances, it's not like it's not night and day between the first half and the second half of the season. I think many of these games, uh, the Nuremberg game, for example, the Augsburg game, uh, they would have won in the first half of the season, despite not necessarily playing better. Yeah, usually it's just one play that goes a little bit differently, what which makes then all the difference, I, I guess. So, Konstantin, I I do want to address the, the structural issues that certainly are there um, that might have already been around in the first half of the season, but might have just not been that much exposed because didn't result in goals or so. But um, what are you think Dortmund's issues on the defensive end? Why are they shipping goals? Uh, is it just down to bad luck or um, on individual mistakes, or do you think there there is something else there that needs to be addressed? I, I mean, uh, plenty of goals came down to individual mistakes, even even though it weren't like these these obvious ones, like the one with uh, Hakimi and the Augsburg match, um, or even Sagadu to some extent, um, in, in the same match. Um, but there were other, other mistakes made uh, so in terms of positioning um, or man marking at the at the wrong time. So basically being pulled pulled away uh, from the position sometimes. Um, but also um, Dortmund's counter pressing works for I don't know, let's say eighty five percent of the time, but in fifty percent of the time it doesn't, um, and that's that's pretty. Uh, pretty, pretty crucial to play with a high line and play pretty risky, and and also concede like so many goals when when, when opponents get a few cha chances. Um, maybe that maybe that's the bad luck. I don't know. Uh, but uh, even the Tottenham match, we will talk about, about it. I was like, I mean, we haven't pressing set piece defending yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's but that's an entire issue for, uh, in itself, actually. Um, but we're just talking in terms of like open play goals conceded. Um, the counter pressing works quite well. Um, during I don't know 45 minutes, during the first 45 minutes or so, but then it doesn't uh, for for a couple of minutes, and Dortmund concedes like two goals or so in some matches. Um, and that's 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 a pretty uh, it's pretty impressive actually. Like looking from the outside, as let's say as a neutral observer, uh, I I know we we. If we aren't neutral, but as a neutral observer, looking at, at like how crucial it is to have like uh, to have your counter pressing uh, working uh, hundred percent of the time, um, it's 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 pretty impressive uh, or pretty pretty interesting to look at uh, because Dortmund uh, shows how um, how sometimes these these little these little mistakes in, in counter pressing and there's there's not the right intensity after losing the ball. Uh, or when, when, like the, the the player who who is assigned, who should be assigned to 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 uh, make the first move in terms of counter pressing, doesn't make the first move, um, and then like there's an opening for the opponent, then they get the, get the first pass, um, basically freeing up the situation, and then there, there's there's there are openings um, um, at the at Dortmund's back line. Um, it, that's it works. It works just so it's it's just so tough to watch sometimes, and it works so so against Dortmund. Um, in, in in a certain situations, and and then they concede goal after goal, and um, so so I mean we can we can talk about individual mistakes all night long, but um, in terms of what what Farfa can can improve uh, and can do as a coach, um, then it's it's more down to how he can improve the counter pressing, uh, especially consistency. Um, I mean, what can you do against individual mistakes? Uh, yeah, okay, substitute players, uh, but. I don't think that will help because, like right now, it looks like uh, almost everyone is making mistakes here and there. So some, some are more obvious, as I said. Some are, some are not that obvious. But even like Axel Witzel, for instance, he's, he commits not so obvious mistakes. 
at times. Oh, that was actually going to be my next question over to you, Lars, um, because I agree very much that sometimes Dortmund, and especially Axel Witzel, I feel, is just maybe one yard or two yards uh, further away from a position where he should be um, than, than he otherwise. Do you, do you think he is tired? Do you think he needs to be rested? Or, or am I uh, being a little bit too overdramatic here and he should play at all given minutes? Every given minute. Well, he to me, he still doesn't really look tired necessarily. Uh, it might just be because he's not the most physical player in the sense that you know he's he seems to run at the same speed most of the time. I think he has a very low uh, uh, high speed. I think uh, he was slower even than someone like Mario Götze in the first half of the season when the data last. Uh, came out, but you know, he, he. I don't really see him being caught out of position all that often or anything. I'm, I'm. I don't really have a problem with his performances as much as others have had. I think uh, some have, have mentioned him looking like a player uh, moving from China to Europe at the age of uh, basically 30, uh, and and now with a little bit of schedule congestion and you know him being here for uh, seven months or so uh, that that's an issue I, I don't really see that I think he himself has been fine largely maybe we uh, exaggerated his impact on the team in the first half of the season uh, just because he uh, was so different uh, so much more confident than anything we had seen in Dortmund's defensive midfield really for two years with uh, the second season of Julian Weigel under Thomas Tuchel not being overly impressive and then the Peter Bosch, Peter Stöger clusterfuck of the season not being impressive in any way. Uh, I think that that maybe Witzel wasn't, you know, world class uh, in the first half of the season as many uh, thought him to be and now I don't think he's really struggling too much. I think... As as for the whole team, it's also for him, you know, I don't see a huge difference in, in performance necessarily. It's just that uh, the the results are missing in a way. Uh, and, and for him personally, that means he misplaces a couple of passes more per game. He loses a couple of duels more per game, which, you know, is just basically statistical coincidence. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that assessment. So, um. Konstantin, do you have anything to add to the Augsburg game? Maybe something that went really well? Uh, I, you know, thinking about it, I want to just add that Mario Götze should have had three assists instead of one. Just the two outrageous passes to Brun Larsen and the other one to Alcázar should have been goals, really. But, um, yeah, one was really... I think the, the shot on Alcázar was just an amazing save and then Brun Larsen just uh, didn't really aim well, I would say. Um, but... Um, I also don't want it too long about this game. So, Konstantin, if you have anything to add, please go ahead. No, no, not really. I mean, I, I, just before you you uh, answered your own question, uh, I wanted to say that that uh, Mario Götze is the, was the only plus in the uh, in the Augsburg match, or the only positive in the Augsburg match. Um, just because, uh, I mean, if, even if Dortmund is losing matches left and right, or not winning matches left and right, um, Mario Götze looks like someone who should extend his contract and be a crucial part of the uh, be a crucial part of the team going forward. Yep, reiterating what we said in episode two hundred sixty nine, um, and I wholeheartedly agree. So I guess we can uh, move along to the. Uh, Dead rubber, which it was in the end, um, even even more confirmed after Harry Kane's uh, fourth goal. Um, but yeah, I I think it was a night w which was great for a lot of Dortmund fans and especially those that were in the stadium because uh, the stadium was absolutely on fire. But um, the goals just didn't come. Um, so Lars, what do you make of this this uh, Champions League game? Because I think. There are a lot of positives to maybe draw from, but at the same time, also a couple of negatives. Well, I think you you kind of have two ways of looking at it. I mean, <clears throat> uh, a you believe the the miracle was possible, then you are probably a bit disappointed. 
uh, with the team not scoring a single goal in the first half of the game where they were really dominant. But to me, uh, I'm more of the the other opinion. I didn't really think uh, the miracle was going to happen just because I didn't trust Dortmund to keep a clean sheet and then scoring five against Spurs, uh, you know, with that center back line. That's that's basically impossible in, in, in normal circumstances. And basically it proved to be that. So the, the game really was kind of a dead rubber for the final 40 odd minutes. But I do believe if if you subscribe to that second theory, then you can take away a lot of positives from the first half. And you already mentioned the stadium uh, rocking like we haven't heard it in quite a while, I would say, for most of the season. That's been kind of a discussion among fans themselves that, you know, the the, the atmosphere in the stadium was, was weirdly understated for the kind of season Dortmund were having for a large portions of the campaign so maybe they <clears throat> maybe this is the kind of boost the the stadium needed to uh, give those five or ten percent or however many it was that that were kind of missing for for some of these games uh, and and also in terms of the performance itself I think I was quite surprised with Favre going for uh Reus Alcacer and Götze, which we hadn't seen so far, uh, unless I'm mistaken, certainly not from the start of the game. Uh, and, you know, they they really took the game to Tottenham. Obviously, Spurs were were willing to sit back and, and defend their three-goal lead. But still, I mean, that's a individually, talent-wise, uh, coaching-wise, that's, that's a very, very good team, Tottenham are. So being able to dominate that game completely for 45 minutes especially on the heel of a number of weeks of weak performances or results rather, and especially the the Augsburg match. I think that was kind of impressive to me. And, and I, I hope uh, to some extent that Farfel takes that lesson of the first 45 minutes and applies it to some of the games that are left. Uh, because to me, really what, what the rest of the season should be about is just taking it one game at a time and hoping for the best or, or going for the best performance in that game because it doesn't really make too much sense to me to think about the, the Bundesliga title at the moment. I think you should really go at it. You know, each 90 minutes count for themselves and, and after 10 instances of 90 minutes, you can look at the table and see what, what comes out of it. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's see how, how that will work out if Dortmund are like three points behind on the final match day or so. Or, um, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, Constantine, how, how did you like Favre's lineup? Because as, as, uh, Lars already said, he did something completely different, uh, than, well, not completely, but he did something new and something different. Also, um, Wolf as a, as a right back. From the start, it was new, but it was different. Um, and I think Delaney was benched for this one. So, is, is this a lineup we might see more often? Maybe. I I, I mean, hopefully not with uh, Wolf at right back. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I guess you, you mean uh, Götze and Rice as attacking uh, midfielder do. Um, and Witzler is the only... And defensive midfielder. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, uh, in some of these matches, uh, it could work well. Uh, and, and I think it worked well against Tottenham. Just the, the, the scoreline was just working against Tottenham. It was working in favor of Tottenham. It was working against them at the same time. It was working in favor of Tottenham because there is no like no risk of bottling anything because they were already three goals behind. So they could just go uh, go out, like uh, go full out. Um, and they did the first 45 minutes. They, they played a few risky passes and just tried to force the first goal. Um, and Pochettino even had to had to uh, switch his lineup a little bit because at first uh, Son was playing up, more or less up front, and later on he played on the left side. They defended in the 5-4-1. Um, so even Pochettino thought that maybe um, sitting even more. Uh, deeply um would would work well or w was was suitable to the situation um because Dortmund was was doing well uh for 
for most of the 45 minutes or the first 45 minutes. Um, of course, we can talk about the, the, the goal uh, Dortmund conceded after the halftime break later. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I, I think it was a was a good performance at least um, up until the, the, the Kane goal. Um, and I think that the stadium um, worked in favor of Dortmund in the sense that sometimes if, if the stadium is really, really loud. Um, it, it hurts the defending team because the defenders have to communicate more than the attacking team. Uh, when they, you know, when when the men marker, when the marker switch, uh, when they have to um, move the lines a little bit, and so the defenders communicate a lot, or they com- communicate uh, at least a considerable amount. Um, and if the stadium is really, really loud, they don't understand each other. Um, it's, the, it's the old uh, American football thing, right? Uh, you can you can, a stadium can be really loud so that the that the team that the opposing team can't communicate quite well and then even football even in our football and association football it, it can work quite well. Um, so I don't know how 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 uh, it really hurt uh, Tottenham, but I think um, a stadium on fire uh, is something Dortmund should have, uh, especially in weeks where uh, things go uh, things go south. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what I mentioned earlier is that um, Mario Götze just had, a tr- I think, a tremendous game. Um, and every attacking play went through Mario Götze. Uh, and uh, Akanji or, or Weigel, um, um, they looked for, uh, or they looked to play uh, the ball to Götze. It was the, the, the go-to strategy. Just play a vertical pass to Mario Götze. Um, breaking the first line and then uh, Götze can pick up between the lines and then do something uh, even even if he's under pressure. Um, that's why uh, there were a lot of passes going through the right half space uh, where Götze played. Problem was that uh, Wolf was the right back, so Götze didn't really have an, have an option to just lay off to the right back. I mean, he did it a couple of times, I guess. I, I don't, I, I didn't count, but. Still, but I mean, if if you got some someone uh, more sophisticated as a, as your right back, of course that can work uh, wonders, but uh, not with uh, not with Wolf. Uh, no offense, but uh, not really. Uh, even <laughs> Literally, even no Haki- offense. No offense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even Hakimi, uh, despite all, all the mistakes he has made uh, against Tottenham, against Augsburg, and so on, um, even Hakimi would have been more suitable because like, Hakimi, at least if you lay off lay off the ball to him. Um, and he picks it up, and he doesn't make uh, like a bad first touch. Um, then he can, you know, go off and and uh, one down the flank or something uh, because he, he's he's really really fast. And especially then against Son and and uh, Davis, he could have uh, done some damage at least. Um, I mean, Mario Götze can do a lot, but he needs the right environment. And uh, yeah, that's just because sometimes he was really out there on his own, and then he had to. To pull back and uh, play a play a backwards pass because there was nothing he could do, um, and but in our situation it worked and and then uh, Royce got involved and on the on the in left half space on left side sometimes or even on the right side, um, and it, it looked quite well what Dortmund did, but uh, can you just copy and paste that approach uh, onto another match? Uh, I don't think so because the the scoreline was just Dortmund was was trading by by three. Um, and that's uh, that situation you shouldn't have uh, in our matches because that would be uh, Dortmund's death. Yeah, f- fair enough. I mean, it's, I think it's fair to criticize Wolf for his uh, lack of contribution in, in, in attack, but I also want to praise him a little bit because I thought the way he recovered a couple of uh, balls um, by tracking back... Uh, really prevented a lot of dangerous attacks um so i think his um call-up still had merit in 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 some way um don't think it was you know he was completely useless anything he was very much involved um and obviously he's not a natural right back yet maybe so uh, maybe there's still more to come but uh it was not just negative hopefully not but yeah (laughs) yeah we'll, we'll see um I I I think he he can have some potential there, but um, it's it's okay to disagree there. So Lars, I know you're really not the right guy to ask, but neither is Konstantin, so you will have to answer the question. And um, I don't want to 
mm, how to ask this so basically i i thought there was a stark discrepancy between how dortmund played in terms of attitude against augsburg and against tottenham which is maybe just human but but nevertheless dortmund are in a, in a title challenge and you would expect them to look extremely you know hungry and gritty and all these weird words people use to describe soccer sometimes um so do you think there there is a problem headwise for for this team that they feel the pressure or whatever in, in the bundesliga that they are just not as switched on against augsburg as they were against tottenham in the first half yeah i mean uh, who am i to disagree with matthias summer basically uh he he was going on and on uh before during and after the the augsburg game that Uh, some of Dortmund's players at least weren't really ready basically for what kind of challenge Augsburg would present. I mean, I that's even, a team... Even my mom yesterday, who doesn't even follow football whatsoever, you know, she told me on the phone yesterday that, you know, it seems like a couple of players just don't know uh, what they are playing for at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily go that far i think the problem against augsburg was more of the 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 kind of thing where probably some of the players watched uh you know uh, freiburg beat the crap out of augsburg that was a 5-1 scoreline i think uh and and basically thought you know looking at the table also this is the kind of game where we will get our mojo back we just beat leverkusen Uh, you know, we we're back on track or whatever, and then well, that's you what you the go. Idiots of the episode 269 said on the pot. Yeah, good thing I don't listen to this show. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's understandable to a degree that you know someone like Ashraf Hakimi, for example, who doesn't know the first thing about Augsburg outside of whatever the coaches tell him in in you know the the tactics discussion before the game. I mean, I I can live with that kind of young player not necessarily understanding that you know that's a pretty difficult place to, to play still despite their comparatively bad season and and that's a team fighting for its life with pretty decent individual quality so that kind of game can happen anytime i mean Dortmund lost at Düsseldorf when Düsseldorf wasn't a team to beat Schalke for nothing uh, away from home i mean Uh, this kind of performance in isolation wouldn't really be a big issue for a young Dortmund team where I think we all before the season uh, were, were expecting, um, you know, the, the occasional bad performance and, and, and loss of a game. I mean, this, this was the second loss in the Bundesliga, which is a remarkable stat in, 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 in any case. Um, I think... Uh, the, the Tottenham game, as as Konstantin said, it kind of helped that they had nothing to lose and everything to gain. I mean, it, they they lost the game, but they still gained some respect and and maybe some new perspective for the rest of the season. So there, it, it's much easier to go into a knockout game with very little to play for. Actually, uh, so I, I I'm, I'm I'm not sure just how much of this is really all in their heads when. We've talked at some or uh, at considerable length this episode uh, about the on-field performance uh, problems, which aren't all, you know, on, on the mental side of things. No, but obviously a lot of people say that, you know, sport is also, you know, a lot of things happen in the head. And, uh, you know, I don't want to have this completely uncovered because I think it's an aspect that's, that's playing a part. And I, I think saying that Dortmund, you know, played with little to none pressure um, against Tottenham and then, then looking much better um, might be a way to explain a couple of things. Obviously not everything because the sport is far too complex for that to, to break it on, uh, you know, so easily. Uh, just doesn't work that way. But all that uh, being said, um, overall, Konstantin... Um, a couple of final words on Dortmund's uh, Champions League campaign before we move on? I mean, they had one impressive match against Atletico. A little bit luck uh, winning the group. Um, so, 
I guess overall it, w- it will be overshadowed by the first uh, Tottenham match. That's uh, sadly will be overshadowed. Uh, but in my heart, uh, I will always remember the first um, Atletico match. The final win the... Atletico. Sorry? Yeah, the final win over Atletico. Yes, because they dismantled Atletico at that ni- in that night. Um, of course, looking back at the second uh, Atletico match in, in the uh, Wanda Metropolitano, um, they, you could see that Dortmund uh, had, had a lot of trouble uh, with intense pressing by a like, world-class opponent. Um, but Atletico is really one of a kind in that matter. Um, and even like watching uh, watching the or looking back at the first um, Tottenham match, um, I mean they had trouble here and there, and Tottenham was crushing Dortmund in in, in spells. But um, I mean, you know, if you don't have these these bad fifteen minutes um, at the end, I mean, you you could leave uh, London with uh, one goal behind, and and we we have an entirely d- a different discussion. Um, so, yeah, um, it, it wasn't really Dortmund's night. Um, and the second match, I mean, pff, yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't really care about the second match uh, in terms of the result, uh, because when you when you got destroyed in the first leg, um, what can you do really? Um, destroyed result wise. So, but I think uh, winning the group over Atletico is something um, at least the hardcore fans should remember. Um, of course, the the casuals will just remember that Dortmund got uh, basically steamrolled by Tottenham. Yeah, I mean the the final scoreline is um, on aggregate is is uh, I don't think uh, reflecting of the performances. And um, though I I do have to criticize Dortmund a little bit for not scoring a single goal. I I think um, that. In the Champions League, on on that level, you just need to be a little bit more clinical, and uh, I think you just have to do better than Dortmund did. Um, you know, you can praise them for how they played, how they created chances, but I think the the finishing aspect just needs to be a little bit better, and maybe you also need to create a couple of better chances in 180 minutes to to put the ball away. Um, but yeah, uh, that that should be all. Um, last, do you think that um, the uh, Final over Atletico was over 90 minutes Dortmund's best performance because we often hear, you know, for, especially Michael Sorg, you know, talking about blueprints of uh, moments that Dortmund should replicate because they do well, but usually he always talks about a half or 30 minutes or so, but I rarely hear him talk about a whole 90 minutes where he played well. And if I try to remember a game where Dortmund really played well over the entire 90 minutes, I. Uh, uh, think of the final against Atletico. Is there another game that compares to that performance? Well, I'm not even sure the Atletico game applies uh, necessarily because the big thing after that game um, was that uh, Dortmund had to weather a storm really uh, for the first time in uh, by a good opponent in 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 that phase of the season. Uh, Atletico were much the better side for like a 20 or 30 minute spell in the first half. Uh, I think Saul uh, hit the hit the crossbar if I'm not mistaken. So th- there was some luck involved for Dortmund to be able to beat the crap out of them in the second half of the game. So obviously they did that, and you know that's that's certainly going to be the the defining moment if Dortmund are lucky, and it's not the second half at Spurs. Uh, of, of this this Champions League campaign, but it's still not necessarily like a, a complete ninety minutes of perfection, which obviously happens very rarely in football anyway. Uh, but you know, I I can't really point out you know a, a ninety minute performance against a good opponent that was necessarily better than that. So so maybe it was still the the best performance of the season. I don't know. Yeah, I, I whatever. Um, may, maybe it will come against Stuttgart, <laughs> uh, although that would be much of a waste. Um, th- then again, Dortmund need to win desperately, and uh, maybe <laughs> this is the game where they win the mojo back. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, um, Constantine, do you see a scenario where Dortmund drop points against Stuttgart, who look quite shambolic, but also beat Hanover five to one, who look even more shambolic on the weekend? Um, what do you expect from this game? Do you see uh, Mr. Thomas Eleni back in midfield? 
so do I see a scenario where Dortmund loses against Stuttgart? Of course, because I have watched. Yeah, because yes, of course, because I have watched uh, matches in recent weeks, um, and everything is possible right now. Even losing to Stuttgart is possible uh, because who knows? Maybe it's it's uh, you know scoreless. Uh, scoreline for I don't know goal is scoreline for for uh, sixty minutes and then there's like like a pass out of hell from whoever Cause. from Delaney maybe <laughs> no no I mean I mean for, from a Dortmund player pass straight out of hell uh, backwards pass straight out of hell uh, a Tilo Caro pass straight out of hell uh, <laughs> no, uh, no but, but I don't know I mean that that can, could happen obviously uh, Stuttgart will play a five four one which will look like a 10-0, um, but or 9-1. I think Mario Gomez will play up front and he will stick to that. Um, but but you know what I mean. I mean, uh, Stuttgart will sit really, really deep um, and they, they will just wait and wait and try to make it uh, make space as tight as possible and make it, make it as uh, hard to get through as po- possible. Um, and right now, Dortmund doesn't really have the tools um, or at least it looks like that um, to break through. Um, so maybe more gets the Marco Royce, Jade Sancho. Maybe to get something going, especially if through the half space, uh, through the high, uh, right half space, or if Royce through the, through the left half space. Maybe it's 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 a good idea to uh, stick to one defensive midfielder and play the uh, Götze Royce pairing in midfield in attacking midfield. Um, I would I would like to see that actually against Stuttgart. Uh, because Askasi Bar and uh, Castro so in, in center midfield, they don't really threat. Uh, w- they won't f- uh, threat um, Witzel that much if he's the only, uh, let, uh, let's say, holding midfielder. Um, so I mean, he's he's able to outpace them, and that says a lot. Um, so and especially yeah, like Askasi Bar is like a great. Uh, anti-possession player but like once he gains possession he's like pretty useless um he's actually uh, like pretty effective in destroying his own counter-attacks um so maybe maybe it will it will work uh if if uh, farfer sticks to the um tottenham lineup especially uh, at at least uh, uh, in terms of in terms of the midfield as uh player selection Mm, so yeah it will I, if, maybe Dortmund is able to score early, early goal. Otherwise, it will be a long afternoon. Yeah, I would uh, actually make a similar prediction. Um, going off the four-one uh, loss of Stuttgart um, away to Bayern Munich, because I thought that, considering in the uh, league position they are, and considering um, you know, um, just just overall the usual dread you have if you. Uh, that far down in the bottom, you know, low in confidence and all that. I, I thought they played really well against Bayern Munich. Uh, if I recall, they either took the lead or equalized at, at some point and um, had a couple of uh, threatening counterattacks. Obviously, in the end, it wasn't enough to beat Bayern Munich, but I think it might be enough if they play similarly um, uh, to, to beat Dortmund or at least get a point or, or, or something. Um, so um, I just don't assume anymore that Dortmund can have an easy win and uh, you know I would point to that final win against Stuttgart in the first half of the season which I think was maybe one of the easiest wins Dortmund had all season um, if I don't I don't remember a game where it was much easier for Dortmund to get away with all three points than this game um, so Lars any lineup, uh, lineup changes from Dortmund you want to see or and any lineup changes you you predict to see? Um, I would certainly like for Farfo to stick basically with the front line, so midfield plus Alcacer. I think that worked decently against Spurs. They have something to build on. They really kind of need uh, Mario Götze and Marco Reus in the team right now because those are the two most intelligent players going forward to to find the the cracks in Stuttgart's defense with uh, Sancho as you know the individual hey maybe I can just dribble past five guys and make an assist kind of guy uh, you know the, the 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 big question is going to be the fullbacks plus 
the center back next to Akanji. I'm I, I would just stick with Weigel at the moment because he's been on, on a really good run of games at center half, which I didn't think he had in him. Uh, so that makes sense to me. Uh, him and Akanji are good enough in build-up situations. Akanji is really good in duels. Weigel, with his intelligence, is good enough in duels. So I think that kind of works as a pairing. And then you obviously have the the problem at right back because, as we've talked about, Hakimi has defensive issues. Wolf has uh, attacking issues. So I, I think it's it's kind of pick your poison. Uh, which kind of game do you expect? Uh, I think Hakimi is going to be recalled. Just uh, A, Wolf really didn't do much offensively. B, Farfoot took him off after like 50 or 60 minutes. So he wasn't really happy with him, I don't think. Um, and and also Hakimi just had a break. So uh, at least he adds the, the athleticism and dynamism. Uh, and at left back, it seems uh, up to Diallo for reasons somewhat unbeknownst to me uh, is kind of untouchable at the moment. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Hakimi on the left and, you know, if if, if need be, uh, Wolf on the right, just because Hakimi has been a much better left back than right back, in my opinion. Yeah, I actually very much agree with that um, sentiment. But uh, at the same time, I want to ask uh, the, the one to ask Konstantin, why is Marcel Schmetzer being ignored by Lucien Favre? Did you watch Marcel Schmelzer when he uh, was subbed on against Tottenham? Uh, no. No? No. Yeah, it was dreadful. Um, I don't know. I guess like there's no place left for Marcel Schmelzer. I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't see him in training, so I guess he's just bad right now and not doing well for himself, um, something like that. Um, because I, I guess that's the only reason. Uh, otherwise, he should play because they, the fullback situation uh, is, is pretty bad right now. Um, so, um, I mean, he, like, Farfer is playing all these all these guys, you know, like Diallo one week and Wolf the other and Takimi is playing bad and Sagadu and, you, you know, you, you get the drift. And Guerrero is not an option for left back. Uh, so, yeah, of course. I mean, Schmelzer should play uh, if he's ready and fit, and you know, if. But I, I guess he isn't, or something. Uh, it's it's hard to say, but I guess his his days are counted uh, as as like a reliable option at left back, which is pretty interesting to watch because, like uh, over years, many many fans expected him to, to drop out. Um, and be like the B or C option um, for the left back uh, position, but he always you know, stayed on top, and now he's like silently going away, um, which is yeah, just interesting. I, I don't know if there will be Master Schmelz to come back, but yeah, if someone can can, can manage a comeback, can can manage a comeback out of the dark, it's Master Schmelz. Yes. He's like the undead of, um, he's like the Harley Alton top of uh, left backs. Okay. All right. So um, that's that's something for reference, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I I know what you mean, and I think Dortmund fans know what you mean. Uh, after Altin Top came back against Dortmund, uh, I don't know if he scored or or just uh, played really well. And then uh, that one time Dortmund lost against Darmstadt. But yeah. Um, don't, yeah. <laughs> let, let's let's not go there anymore. Um, <laughs> so, last. Dortmund Bayern are level on points now. Um, how optimistic or bleak are you in terms of Dortmund's chances uh, to actually, you know, win the title? And maybe also, do you think that Bayern will st stop winning at some point? They have now 12 in 13 wins. Well, obviously, they already stopped once. So, uh, and, and a few times, if you look at the entire season, um, so it stands to reason that Bayern aren't going to win 30 of 30 points uh, until the end of the year. Um, but I, I, first of all, I think the most important thing to me is that nobody in the club uh, or necessarily around the team should even think about the title at this point. I mean, right now, 
<clears throat> they haven't done anything to deserve that kind of, uh, you know, expectation uh, of themselves. They, they basically need to go into each single game with the mindset that only these 90 minutes count because otherwise they are not going to get shit done. That's That's been obvious. I think uh, some of these guys definitely dreamt of the title at some point during this bad run of form. And, and I don't think that that kind of thinking helps at the moment. Obviously, uh, we as onlookers or fans or spectators or whatever, um, we have a different view. And, and I think it's still fair for people to to dream of uh, the first title since 2012 and the, the Bayern hegemony to be over. But, you know, especially with the direct matchup being at Bayern, that's basically a must-win game to me. And even if Dortmund were to manage uh, to come away with three points from Munich, uh, realistically, I mean, you would still need to win, I guess, something like 22 points uh, out of the other 27, and that, that might not even do it. So, uh, I Obviously, there's still a chance because we've seen this team is capable of of going on incredible runs. Uh, and you know, if if all the the little things that aren't going Dortmund's way start going their way again, I wouldn't put it past them to win. You know, seven or eight of these ten games, and and then it might be close. But realistically, uh, I I would put the the chances of Dortmund winning the title in in single digits uh, percentage wise. Where realistically Dortmund's title hopes die away to Berlin because it's how it usually is. Um, Constantine, I also want to hear your um, outlook on on the uh, final ten games of uh, Dortmund season. Um, whether and and maybe also how you think Bayern will fare because you know you always need to put that into context. Well, you should bet your house on Dortmund if your dream is to live on the streets. Um, but but or or well um, no I I I still give Dortmund like a twenty something percent chance of winning the league actually because yeah 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 because, because I think uh, yes they have to stop the pleading right now and have to win against Stuttgart and then go on and win uh, the next few matches you know win at at, at Hertha um, and and against Gladbach. <laughs> Uh, and and against um, uh, Wolfsburg, which is, uh, you know, the thing is, like all these matches, it's possible to win all these matches. It's like Dortmund is still the better team than uh, Hertha, than Wolfsburg, than Stuttgart, of course. Uh, and then, and what, what, like as a Dortmund fan, what I'm hoping for is that um, it's still about a month until the Bayern match. All right. So, um, and I'm still hoping that maybe the Bayern uh, um, loses a step or two after the international break. Uh, maybe fades, fades uh, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting Bayern to, you know, um, get back to like not hindering the form, but back to normal a little bit. Because right now they are on a roll. Um, I mean, the, the, the draw at Liverpool was like one of these high moments. I think it really pushed them. Uh, but I, I don't see, like, watching some of these Bayern matches, they aren't impressive. I mean, of course, don't count in the, the Gladbach win. Uh, but our matches, like the one against Augsburg or so, it wasn't impressive at all. Um, so it's not like they are they are winning these these all these matches decisively. Yes, they are. They, they are winning right now, but uh, let's let's happen a few or let let a few injuries happen, um, and maybe um, some of these players aren't at one hundred percent anymore. Um, and I don't know how how, how Kovac manages um, the, the, the training schedule um, and regeneration, everything, um, recovery phases, and, and, and everything. Um, but um, I don't. I mean, Dortmund has to win the next three matches. They're out of the, our competitions. And then they they travel to Munich, and uh, we will see what happens. But they have to win the next three matches. That that's important. Um, and then maybe a draw against Munich, um, and then we will see. We will see what Bayern does um, against some of these or, or in the our matches uh, going going forward. Uh, maybe they maybe they lose against uh, Düsseldorf after the Dortmund match. Who knows? Um, yeah, just, who knows? No, no. But but I don't see Bayern like as, as like invincible and like unbeatable right now. They are they are pretty much beatable. And maybe they will get beaten by Liverpool next week. 
and that will give them a really, a really or a pretty, pretty big knock. Who knows? Who knows how um, the um, basically being not select anymore by or being not picked anymore by uh, Rahim Löw uh, will affect uh, Thomas Müller, Mats Hummels, and Jerome Boateng. Who knows? Uh, maybe it will affect them negatively, mentally. I, I don't know. Maybe they they want to show defiance, but I actually think that it's it's Mats Hummels. That's not possible. Like <laughs> he doesn't have he, he doesn't have a seven gear. So. All right. So um, I I think. <laughs> And and I might be obviously proven horribly wrong by Bayern, but I I do think that um, the results right now um, they have a lot of match luck as well. I wholeheartedly agree with you that Gladbach was their first impressive win overall in a very long time. The one win over Hertha Berlin was, could have been easily a, a one-one draw or a scoreless draw if it went from that Martinez corner and that Joshua Kimmich. Uh, Goal line clearance uh, and and uh, yeah, their wins against Stuttgart and Augsburg and so on and so forth. They also were not really impressive, to be honest. And um, I really hope that Bayern lose against Liverpool because I think this team is more focused on the Champions League right now, and this is maybe why they're tense and, and really switched on at the moment. But as as soon as this um, you know breaks away, maybe they they will just lose tension. You know, happens often. We have seen it with Bayern Munich that they lose their quote-unquote attention uh, after winning the title and then they just start losing games against, you know, crap teams that they usually would win um, just because they, they have already something in the back and maybe them going out against Liverpool can have the same consequence. Obviously, it's not a given right now that they go out against Liverpool because uh, Liverpool apparently cannot score a goal to save their own freaking lives. So we'll see about that, but <coughs> this, is, this is really my hope that uh, you know maybe a one-all draw in the Champions League and that's uh, lights out for Bayern, and uh, maybe then they they start to falter again. And let's not forget the really <coughs> tough games for Bayern come really at the end of the season. You know, and if if you're if you're empty and then play against Leipzig in, in Frankfurt, that's not going to be comfortable. All right, that's what I wanted to add. It's, it's actually the play at Leipzig. Uh, on the 30, uh, 33rd uh, match day and then uh, against Frankfurt uh, uh, last match day. So, I mean, even if Dortmund is trading by three going into uh, match day f uh, 33, still a chance. Still a chance. Bayern could lose the last two matches. Although they usually beat Leipzig in like pretty bad and horrible ways. So, <laughs> I don't know how... how yeah, I mean, Leipzig is like the... the punching bag of Bayern for whatever reason. But still, there's there's a chance. There's a chance. Dortmund have to stop the pleading and win matches. Anyway, anyway right now. I, I wanted to end this uh, on a more positive note because I, I feel like it's easy to feel downbeat as a Dortmund fan after just one win in eight games. So I, I think we can just leave it here and uh, ask the uh, wonderful Mr. Lars Poyman uh, to explain how to get in touch with him on Twitter. Are we not doing predictions this week? No. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm stopping predictions because I, I, I was instructed not to do any, anything anymore until Dortmund wins. So I'm not. Doing yeah, the, doing they, it. they will, they will win this weekend. So we can restart predictions next week because it's going to be a three-two win for Dortmund. As for people touching me online, don't do that. But uh, if you have to, uh, my Twitter handle is at Lars Polman. All right, Constantine, do you want to be touched or do you want to predict something first? We, we, uh, we discussed pre-show that uh, Lars w likes to get touched. Uh, you, can find, you can find me on Twitter, cc underscore E-C-K-N-E-R. All right, that's wonderful. Um, you can touch me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. and um, Ooh, Why is it hot in here? All right. Um, and you can get in touch with all of us at Yellow Wallpot, uh, Facebook and Twitter alike. Um, you can find ways to subscribe to our show on yellowwallpot.com and also to contribute on patreon.com. Go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall, please. And that should be all for this week and next week. I hope we have something better to discuss than, uh, yeah, this dreadful episode. So, um, yeah. Thanks again, as always, to everyone out there uh, who endured this uh, almost hour-long podcast. Until next week, and goodbye.